Well, guys, we, uh, now we're going to spend some time in the Word. Uh, so if you have a Bible, please open it to the book of Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, just lift up your hand real quick and we'll get you one. It's vitally important that everyone has a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible at home, you are welcome to take this one for free. Um, so if you've got, some people have it on their phones. And um, I met one guy who said, I have it memorized, so I don't need it. And I was okay, you can, all right, if that's what you think. <laughs> but it's always good, even if you have it memorized, to have, a, to have the, the pages right in front of you, or your, or your iPad, or your, your real Bible. They're both good. Um, so book, open up to the book of Ephesians, and we've been going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, which is uh, a, an incredible uh, blueprint of how the church operates and the whole mystery of the church, why, it, why it's here, why it's such a big deal. And... Um, we're going we're gonna to spend some time here. The, the title of today's message is, It's All Falling Apart. It's All Falling Apart. So let's pray. Jesus, I, I humble myself before you and ask for your grace to speak through me. Lord, I pray for um, my family and my boys that you would be teaching them in the back and all the other kids. Lord, I'm personally invested in this church. Lord, this is my church. And, and Lord, I want to see you be glorified. Lord, I know that you have plans for us that's just beyond anything we could imagine. But Lord, nothing will happen if we're not humble before you. So Lord, we want to trust you. We want to believe the words that you have for us. Jesus, we just, we just give you a moment right now to search our hearts. If there's something that, Lord, we're holding back, if there's a way, Lord God, that we are walking in that is not according to your word, Lord, reveal it to us by your Spirit. Lord, we want to have that peace inside us that passes understanding. Lord, not so we can understand it, not so that we can be the smartest person in the room, Lord God, but so that we can be at peace with you and that we can be a light to this world. Jesus, you are our God, you are our rock that we build, Lord, our foundation upon. It's all you. And Jesus, you, you receive all honor and glory in this place. Please use such a person as me, even though I'm so unworthy. We all are. We ask for your mercy. Amen. In the year 1555, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Amen? Was it a long time ago? Back in like high school time? All right. <laughs> Just kidding, bro. I love you. It's great to see you. <laughs> I'm so happy. Well, 1555 it was a long time ago, and there, the world was crazy. And... Uh, there was this big battle between Roman Catholicism and, and the Protestant Reformation happening, and a guy named Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his, his witness for Christ. He, he believed the Word of God, and, and I read all about him this week. It's really quite amazing, his story. Um, and he was a leader in the church, and, and he would not submit to man's way of thinking but he wanted to submit to the Bible. And so he taught people, and, and he was a leader. And um, at one point in time, the, 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 the king of England switched over 
to a Catholic guy, and, and he, uh, he did a little inquisition, and he burned a bunch of people at the stake, and Nicholas Ridley was one of them. And on the night before he was to be executed, his brother came and, and said he would stay up all night with him and pray with him and weep with him. And Nicholas Ridley said, um, he, he declined respectfully, and he said, bro, I'm okay. I'm putting it in our vernacular. <laughs> bro, I'm cool. He said he didn't want his brother to stay because he intended to rest in the strength and the everlasting arms of his father, and he had no intention of losing any sleep. He was at peace. He was at rest. And the next day he woke up, faced his charges, and was burned at the stake. And it was, it was actually quite horrific. They, they used too much, too much kindling and it burned too hot. And it, was, it didn't go well. In other words, he stayed alive too long and he suffered greatly. But the whole time he was singing praises to the Lord. And the world doesn't get that. I don't know if I get that, but there's a part of me that knows, and the Bible teaches me that I have that peace. That same peace that Nicholas Ridley had, I have it, but the world does not have it. It doesn't know this kind of assurance. They mostly agree with Shakespeare who said, life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. That's from Macbeth. And they mostly agree with that. They, they're like, the world is out there in and, and, and the college courses and in the philosophical ideas. It's, it's a common idea that there's no purpose. All the suffering, everything. You know, we believe and we're told, and we've studied in, in the first chapter here of Ephesians, that we're chosen before the foundation of the world and we've been adopted by God. And now we get to verse 10. You know, we've been chosen, we've been redeemed, we've been bought with his blood, we've been given forgiveness, we've been given riches, we've studied all these things. But now we get to verse 10 of chapter 1, and he says, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one, or, yeah, in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and are, which are in earth. In the, according to the Bible, it's all going according to schedule. All things are progressing exactly as God has planned and purposed. Even though the world is confused and perplexed and concerned and worried, we have different answers and a better idea of what's really going on. You see, you, you turn on the news today and nobody knows what to do in Ukraine. Right? It's just, it's chaos. And people, this station thinks we should do this, and this political guy thinks we should do that. You know, and then, you know, peace in the whole Middle East region seems like an impossible dream. Iran has its nuclear weapons, and they're trying to figure that whole thing out. Syria and the atrocities going on there. And North Korea is a picture of peace and stability in the midst of all this. That's a joke, by the way. And... Everyone in the world is looking for the answers of what to do with these problems. Where is it all going? What's going to be the end of all these things? And yet, we are told in the Bible that it is all perfectly on schedule. Nothing is out of control. And it's so opposite to what we think 
we see or what we observe or what the news tells us to think or even what we see in our own life. Some people, they see this, all this, and they're just overwhelmed with all the uncertainty in the world. And so they just plan an escape. They just try to escape. And through TV or video games or golf or sports or work or parties, each one of these things is used as an escape from these dilemmas and these challenges. But escape doesn't work. It's like the J- Joe Lewis, he was this heavyweight boxer in 1937, um, or in, sorry, 1946. Uh, he was prepared to defend his title against a skilled fighter named Billy Kahn. And Lewis was warned to watch out for Kahn's great speed and his tactics for darting into an attack and then moving out quickly out of his opponent's range. And in a famous display of confidence, Lewis replied, he can run, but he can't hide. And that's exactly what's going on with everyone in the world. We can't hide from all this crisis. We can't hide from the problems and the troubles. We have to have an answer. We have to have an answer. Do you have an answer for what's going on in the Ukraine? Do you have an answer for what's going on in the Middle East? Because I do. I do have an answer. And it's from the Word of God. It's that all in the dispensation of the fullness of times... All things are going to be brought together in Christ. All things. At the right time, we're going to see what it's all about. See, we are much more confident and informed than the world. We know that Jesus is coming back if we've read his word. We know that he's going to restore everything back to the way it's supposed to be. He's going to fix all problems and make all things right. And that's an awesome hope. There'd be no wars or injustice in his coming kingdom. That's real. There's going to be no injustice. And we can't see these things, though, by looking at the news or the Internet. You can't see his coming kingdom by observing it like that. But it's a mystery that's revealed in the word of God. See, if you back up one verse to verse 9, it says, or even verse 8, it says, which he, grace which he made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good, his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he's going to bring everything together in Christ. See, it's a mystery that the Bible is telling us the answer to. Not intended to be a mystery for us. So, to summarize, we know where we're going, We know why we are here. And when we read the newspapers and when we watch the internet and the Fox News and the CNN or whatever, we don't look at it at face value, just what are they trying to tell us. We look and say, how does this fit into God's plan? How does does this Korea situation fit into what God says is going to happen? We... We progress like that. And we're always looking forward to how does this lead me to Jesus coming back. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It's one book over to the right. Colossians 1, or two books. Colossians 1, 16. How does this fit into God's plan? How are things all progressing towards a perfect and beautiful end? It says... 116 of Colossians, for by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created 
that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So you were made for Jesus and by Jesus. He was there at creation. He created you. Everything was made for him. You know, we weren't made for fun. We weren't made for TV or video games or golf, sports, work or parties. And look at verse 17. Why were all these things for him? Or what does that mean for us? It says, all things, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. Or in your Bible version, it may, may say held together. Consist or held together. And this is a verse that just is amazing for us believers because it gives us a leg up on even all the scientists in the world. Even the scientists don't understand. Even the scientists are confused about how all things are held together. And we're just told. Jesus does it. But see, as you guys have studied, I'm sure, atoms are made of particles. You have the neutron that's in the middle, and it's negatively charged, right? And then you have electrons on the outside, and you have protons positively charged. You have, you have all these different parts, okay? And the positively charged particles are packed in the middle of an atom. And it's interesting because Coulomb's law of electricity states that like charges will repel against each other. And that's why when you were kids, you played with magnets and you'd put the two positive sides together and they would repel, right? You can't get them to stay together unless you have a tremendous amount of force. All right? So scientists look at an atom and they say, this is how it works, but we don't know why. And they've even come up with a term of why these neutrons are stuck together. And you know what they call it? It's real scientific. Atomic glue. They think there's this magical substance called atomic glue that holds every atom in the universe together. Because every atom has this this contradiction happening inside of it. These protons. And so this atomic glue is their idea of how these things are held together, but do they have any evidence at all for it? No, except that they're held together. Wherein in the Bible, we are told exactly how it's held together, it's actually someone holding it together. It's Jesus. So what's going to happen? Eventually, when the earth gets old and moldy, it's all going to vanish away. But how? How does that happen? Well, Peter tells us scientifically in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, and I'll read it to you. He says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that... With the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we look around the world, and we're, it's like the craziness of the world, and Korea, and wars, and, and further than that, it's, where are you, God? Why is it taking so long for you to come and fix things? And Peter says, guys, it's not that long. And when it happens, it's going to happen. And look at what he says. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. means it's going to be surprising. And in which, he says, the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements 
will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works in it will be burned up. And from thousands of years, Bible scholars looked at this and they're like, what does that mean? Is it just going to be supernatural fire? Or is this going to, like, is it going to get cast into hell? Or what's going to be, why does it say this? Until Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Nagasaki happened. When those two atomic bombs were dropped and the world witnessed the power of an atom splitting. The power of those positively charged particles coming apart. And it was fire that was unimaginable and heat and explosion. And it's exactly what Peter describes. He says, the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the very elements will be burned with fire. And I actually did some research this week and kind of went back to high school and figured out what the table elements were. And I was like, wow, I remember this. And uh, it's a long time ago, it seems like. But these elements, it, it would take incredible heat to burn up these actual elements. But for Jesus, it's going to be as simple as saying, just letting go. And every atom in the entire universe will be an atomic explosion and will go away. So that's literally how scientifically it's going to happen. Now, when you look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, right at the beginning of Hebrews, he's describing Jesus. He said he's the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Talking about Jesus is the image of God. He's the brightness of his glory and upholding all things by the word of his power. See, it's Jesus' word that created the whole heavens and the earth, right? And it's his word that holds them together. And you're thinking, this church is really scientific. I don't know if I want to come back. I didn't come to church to get a science lesson. And I agree. <laughs> I liked science when I was growing up, but that's not why I come to church, to learn about science. So I want to ask you this question. Does your life feel like it's scattered? Does your life feel like it's going in a million directions? My relationships are a big mess. Nothing is coming together. I want to ask you that question and you think about it. Like the, this uh, football stadium, two years old, $60 million football stadium in Texas. It's a high school, you know, they spend $60 million on a high school stadium in Texas. What? Yeah, high schools, $60 million. I don't even think the Broncos stadium cost that much. But that's what they did. So in Allen, Texas, the school district has planned a news conference, and they're talking about this, this stadium. And why? Because it is completely falling apart. Two years old, and it's falling apart. I'm sure that they bid it out to the lowest bidder, which makes you really safe when you think that the airplane you fly in was built by the lowest bidder. The world, we, yeah, never mind. <laughs> or in Italy, I ran across this in the news on, on the 3rd just a few days ago. There's a, in Naples, the, um, there was a news conference saying that they're devastated that the, the Pompeii, you know that Pompeii, uh, thing that's out there, volcano and old city stuff, it's all falling apart because of torrential rains that they've had. 
It's, it's crumbling and destructing, and, and the government is freaking out about it because this is their histori- history, and this is something really old, and it's falling apart, and they, can't, they, they don't know what to do. And, you know, there's an entire... There's nations that are falling apart, not just buildings that we build, and not just buildings that were built thousands of years ago and historical sites, but you guys know Ukraine, you guys know, North, you guys know those ones, but I don't know... What about the Central African Republic? This was in the National Geographic just this week that there have been thousands of people killed um, and nearly 20 million, or a million people, 20% of the population, have been displaced over the past few months. It's horrific. It, it says in this article, you have a country that is essentially falling apart, neighbor killing neighbor on a daily basis in the most brutal, brutal horrific fashion I've ever seen. Lynchings, people attacked by mobs, having their arms cut off, people burnt and ties around their necks and it's awful and that's in our world today it's falling apart why why is everything falling apart why is my world falling apart the answer is is to the extent that you put Jesus in the center of your life the center of the government of your life, the king of your life, is the extent that you will be held together as well. Just like he holds every atom together. By what? His word. He will hold you together by his word. Conversely, whenever we push him out, you will begin to feel deep inside your soul that things are falling apart. And you won't be able to explain it. And you'll be able to blame it on all the mean people that you have to deal with and your crabby boss at work. You will be able to blame it on them. But the truth is, your life is falling apart because you push Jesus out. That's the truth. But when we realize this mystery of his will, that it's all about him, that all things are going towards a point and it's him, that he loves us, we will have total peace. We will be held together. It says that he might gather together all things in Christ. Have you ever bought something that eventually broke? I'm pretty sure everything I've ever bought has broke. Except for my Apple stuff. Just kidding. That was a jab at my wife, and she's not even here. Ah. She hates Apple. I love Apple. Long story. Anyway, when we focus on something, anything other than Jesus, the truth is it's going to break your heart. It's going to break my heart because our heart can't stay together without him. He's holding a heart like an atom, and it will fall apart without him. But if we keep Jesus on the throne... He never fails. He never fails. In 1989, I cried. I was eight years old, and I cried when the Broncos lost the Super Bowl to the 49ers because it was awful, 55 to 10. I, I turned it off in the fourth quarter, and I went up to my room, and I cried. I've been a Broncos fan forever since I was two, and I was really excited because they had lost three Super Bowls already, and I was like, this is going to be the year, number one ranked defense against, you guys don't care, but I cried, 
It broke my heart. So, when the Broncos lost the Super Bowl this year, I was actually okay. It didn't devastate me. I might have had a little on the side, but it didn't devastate me. Plus, it's all going to an end, to an end and Jesus is going to fix everything, right? So that means, in the end, Broncos will be winning all the Super Bowls. So that's how everything works. But... For me, in my heart, I was a child. I was not held together. I didn't know the Lord. And so what I had my focus on devastated me. Now I know the Lord. And that challenge that met me of a blowout, <laughs> it, it didn't affect me the way I thought it would. The way my, my flesh is prone to being affected by things. So, when your girlfriend tells you that she's out of here, she hates you. Or when your boss tells you to pack sand, it's not really working out. Or when your car breaks down. I think my car almost broke down on the way to church today. The, the check engine light that's been on uh, it was started flashing at me. So, I need to make, get that checked out soon. But in the midst of all these events that, that seem crazy, or maybe you live in Central Africa and life is just brutal. What, what does it look like for a believer? What does it look like for someone who's held together? I, wanna, I want you guys to look and see with me in, in John chapter 13. Look at John chapter 13 and we'll look at our precious Jesus and see what he shows us, Okay. Because in John chapter 13, it's the night before Jesus is arrested and the night before he's crucified. Things are going really bad in his life. Let's read. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved those who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he, was, he had come from God, and that he was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, and he proceeded to wash the disciples' feet. So what did it say there in verse 3? It said, Jesus, knowing... John gives us an insight into what made Jesus okay. He knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was from God and going to God, that everything was going towards, on plan, on schedule, going towards this end, that he would fix everything. He knew it. He knew that the Father had given everything into his hand, that he knew that Jesus himself was the completion was what was holding everything together. And he said, when he knew that, that's what changed. He's being betrayed within hours of being tortured, judged, abandoned, rejected, beaten, mocked, and killed. And I promise none of your jobs are that bad. And if anyone had a right to throw in the towel, it was Jesus on that night. 
Right after his disciples are like, who's the best? I'm the best. I just imagine him. I would be so frustrated if I was him. Don't you know what's going on? He would say. But that's not what he did. Because he knew this mystery that we're learning. That all things progress to him. And instead of throwing in the towel, he picks up a towel. And he washes their feet. He brings refreshment to them. The people around him that don't understand. The people around him that are honestly hurting him. He serves them. A few hours later, there'd be another man in a stressful situation. You see, Pilate was under much pressure from the government. The Romans were like, bro, you better get things under control in Jerusalem or it's going to be your life that's going to cost you. And so riots and all these things were just bad news for Pilate. And so Jesus is brought to him. All the Jews say, we want him dead. You need to kill him. And Pilate says, I've, I've been hanging out with him. There's nothing wrong with him. I, I, I can't kill him. And all these people are shouting, and his stress level is getting higher and higher. And the people, they want to kill me, and the government says they'll kill me. And what do I do with all this stress and everything going wrong with me in my life? What do I do? And he picks up a basin like Jesus did. Except he doesn't do what Jesus did. He washes his hands. And he says, I wash my hands of this situation. I'm out of here. You guys do whatever you want. I don't care. His world was falling apart. And he says, I need to worry about me. Jesus' world looked like it was falling apart. But he said, I need to serve and love my brothers, my disciples, those who are close to me. What a difference that the understanding of this mystery, because Pilate didn't understand all things were working to, towards Christ. He didn't understand that God was in charge of it all. And he, was, he didn't have that trust, and so it handcuffed his ability to love the people, to love anybody, to love Jesus, the people, anybody. And he just washed his hands. So let's contrast Jesus and Pilate. Pilate was falling apart, self-centered, done with others, frazzled, fragmented, and frustrated. Jesus, totally together. Other-centered, refreshing others, calm, peaceful, faithful. Why? Because he knew God's mystery. He knew that it's all about God. God's the whole deal. It's all about him. And that... Even, as we, learned, as we read in Ephesians 1, that all of heaven and earth are about him. So here's for you. Will you let your heart be about him? If this whole mystery being described to us in Ephesians is that everything in heaven is about him and everything on earth is about him, what about your heart? What about your mind and your decisions? Are they focused on Jesus? Or do you live your life on your own? That's what's laid before you today. 
is that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, all things are brought together, held together in Christ. And your life can be too. No matter what is going on. And I know some crazy stuff is going on. But Jesus, his peace passes understanding. And he'll knock your socks off with his love if you let him. If you focus on him, seek him in the morning. Do you guys believe? Amen. I do too.